Praise the Lord, everyone. I just let's pray for the word before I talk any longer. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for um, this privilege to gather in your house. Lord, what a blessing it is. And Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would anoint me, God, to speak your word, Father God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the ears and the hearts of your people. Lord, to receive this word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this morning, um, we heard a great message from um, our assistant pastor. So, this morning's message, we heard about the importance of opening our hearts and allowing God to examine us. Um, And throughout the scriptures, we have read accounts of kings that have fought in battles such as King David and King Saul. And um, they had to wear full armor when going into battle. Um, and when they, come, they came into the comfort of their homes, they had to take that off because it was all piece of metals. You know, you can't wear that every day. So they had to take that off, you know, put on comfortable clothes and um, you know, uh, and spend time with their families. Um, and so, uh, and so when they had to go to battle, they had to put on this armor of God. Uh, they had to put on this armor again. Likewise, when we come into the presence of God, we have to take off our armor and allow God to examine our hearts. And, um, and, 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 uh, and, you know, when we go out, into our daily uh, daily lives, you know, depending on what kind of trials we go through and the things we face, when we take off our armor, when we come into the presence of God, God can examine and see if we have any cuts, you know, bruises from the day's battle. You know, if those things are not um, treated, not dealt with, they could prove to be fatal um, if they're not treated. So, today my message, uh, we heard this morning about examining our hearts, but today, tonight, it's about protecting the heart. And so, I want to talk about the armor of God. And um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm just going to read through it quickly. If you're there, say Amen. All right, let me go. The Bible says, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, in having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The Word of God tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. The very first thing we see is that we need protection from the devil's deceptive ways. His deceptive ways. The word of God goes further to say we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. The scriptures is letting us know that the battle that we face is not a physical one, but it's a spiritual one. And so it's, it only makes sense for us to understand that whatever we go through, the whatever um, you know, differences we may have in our midst with our brothers and sisters, they are not our enemies. As much as they may hurt us or may do things or say things to hurt us, they are still not our enemies. No matter how bad we think that um, you know, they may be, they're still not the enemy. And um, um, so this, uh, and I'll explain a little bit more about this. The Apostle Paul says in First Corinthians nine twenty seven says, "But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway." The Apostle recognized the power of the flesh and emphasized the importance of it, of submitting the flesh and dying daily. 1 Corinthians 15.31 also talks about that. Flesh that is not submitted to God, the devil has access to and will work with hand in hand to lead you and I away from God. Matthew 16.22, uh, in this, encounter, uh, this story, Jesus was talking about his death, uh, how he was going to be crucified. But in verse 2, as we, uh, 22, chapter 16, it says, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Verse 23 says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou servest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Was Jesus calling Peter Satan? I don't think so. But rather, he recognized the influence behind the words of Peter. Sometimes, you know, we can say things out of line. Our flesh, you know, and the influence of the enemy. It doesn't mean that we are the devil, you know. Um, but Jesus recognized the influence behind Peter's uh, words. And so he was able to rebuke that. It might have been fear that had gotten a hold of Peter. Because he didn't want to lose Jesus. But he didn't understand the will of God. And so, um, and so, see, from today and the day Jesus comes back for his church, the biggest enemy we have against us is not, is not the devil. The flesh is our biggest enemy. And the devil knows that very, very well. He knows that. We have two enemies the flesh and the devil. The devil is number two. We've established that the battle is not physical. So the next part of verse 12 tells us what we wrestle against. It says principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, 
uh, of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert in these areas. I'm still a toddler, grassroots level. Um, but as a, as a spirit-filled believer, I'm sure many of you might have noticed this, but when you go in certain places, um, even here in just our own state of Western Australia, you go to certain places, you go to certain areas, the atmosphere is different. And, and um, as young people like to say, the vibe, you know, is very different. In some areas you go, you know, uh, it's, you can sort of sense the, the sort of like a, a de- just, uh, just very dark, very depressive area. The atmosphere is, is not very nice. And then you go some areas, a bit light. People are nicer. You know, walk up across people, they smile at you. And some areas, they want to beat the living daylight of, uh, light out of you. I remember just over a year ago, I went to visit a friend. Uh, and at that time, uh, a friend of his wife was visiting them from Darwin. And so um, he asked me to drive with him to go drop her off to the hotel where she was staying. So we got in the car. We went there. We got to the hotel, and we dropped her off. And um, when she was getting out of the car, when um, and there was a, a man that was standing on the footpath. He was just watching us. And so once the lady got out and went into inside the hotel, this man walked across my window and started saying the most colorful things that anyone could ever say. It was he started just swearing and and saying all these kind of things and and then to the point where he started getting very very aggressive and then he almost reached to the open the door and 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 probably like punched me or hit me or something and then just in just in a split of a second he goes hey brother are you okay you know are you all right you're doing okay uh, can i give you anything can i help you do you need directions do you need uh, anything you guys all right and i was standing there i was like i looked at my friend and he looks at me he was speechless we drove off for five minutes we didn't talk to each other he was still processing what had just happened. And then I was just like, I was, you know, I just talked to God in my heart. And, and I'm questioning, God, what just happened? And I just felt the presence of God just come over me. And God just said to me, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Praise God. Another incident. This was last year. I was coming from school. And... Um, I was going to the state library in the city to study. And I saw another friend and I hadn't seen in a long time. And so we were standing, we were talking and having a conversation. And about 50 meters on my right, there was a man sitting on a bench. And I uh, was just on a, one of those seats they have. Um, and um, so he was sitting there and he was just looking at us. From 50 meters, I could, I knew he was looking at us. It's kind of like where Brother Gavin is. Like I know he's looking at me, so I could sense him. And so this man, he got up and he started walking right next to, he's right close to us. So he's coming, and I'm like, man, it's about to go down. And so he comes, he comes, he comes, and there's space everywhere. He could have just walked behind us and passed there. 
or pass the other way. He came right next to my shoulder, just walked past right my shoulder, right next to my ear. And he goes and says the most colorful things anyone could ever say to any person. And in my flesh, I was squaring up. I was like, man, it's going down. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like man, what's going on here? I, I, I was squaring up. And then when I was on the bus going home, and I just, I just closed my eyes and I said, God, what was that all about? And God reminded me again that, you know, that the battle is not, you know, that um, the scripture again, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. Praise God. And then one more story, and then we'll go into the scriptures. <laughs> Early this year, I was sitting in my class. This was um, one of my um, units for diversity. And we were, um, it happened that day that the subject was on spirituality. And so the, the lecturer was teaching about different cultures that he's worked with and the spiritual things that they practice and things that the other people believe. And students would share their thoughts and ideas from their cultures and backgrounds. And while we were sitting in class, and um, all of a sudden I just started getting sick in my stomach. My body just got really cold, and I was getting a headache. And, and it's, it's just like the, the, everything just changed just all of a sudden. And the way the classroom was arranged was that we, we sat around round tables, it was, um, they put us in groups. And um, so where I was sitting, um, there was another group behind us, but there was an empty seat on my right side. So I was having this, you know, I was feeling sick for about five minutes. And there was a young lady that came across and sat on my right side. And she looked at me with a smile. I didn't ask her. I didn't say anything to her. And she just goes to me and says, you know, I'm a witch. I practice witchcraft. And I was sitting there. I was like, man, could the day be any more interesting? And I got, I got scared. I got nervous. And, um, and I felt like she sensed that. She, she sensed that I was getting nervous. And all of a sudden, I just felt the peace of God. I felt the Holy Ghost come over me. And I felt God just tell me that, you know, um, just stand your ground. Do not fear, for I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And, the, and God just told me, he gave me this verse and he said, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Praise God. I believe that we as spirit-filled believers, wherever we go, people recognize us. But also the spirit world also recognize who we are. I've been trying to prepare some Bible studies, kind of like just lessons, all seven lessons on like the full armor of God. But I'm not going to talk about everything, just to just got a bit of it. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Every morning, we all pray and get a good dosage of the Holy Ghost before we leave our homes. But how often do we put on the armor of God? 
Just like we've been learning every second Sunday about the tabernacle, all the furniture and the equipment in it represents something. Likewise, the armor of God, each piece of armory has a purpose and means something if we look at them close. It would be a very different story if the armor of God was physical and we had to put it on physically. It would only take us about two to three minutes to put it on. Because the battle is not a spiritual one, so is the armor spiritual. And the most important thing for us is to know what each piece of armor stands for and what it represents. Now, let's look at some uh, these scriptures a bit more close. So the very first uh, piece of armor that we're going to look at from verse 13, Ephesians chapter 6, is um, the Bible says... Um, uh, verse 14 rather it says and having your loins girt about with truth or in other words the belt of truth the first two pieces of armor we see um, is the armor of truth and the breastplate of righteousness but we'll look at the belt of truth first so the bible says to gird up our loins with truth there is only one place where a belt is designed to go and that is your waist the belt holds the upper armor with the bottom armor together. It holds them together. And why is the belt of truth so important? In order for us to understand this, we must understand how important the waist is when we are walking in terms of our physical body. And when a person has, has, is having muscle problems, issues around their waist... Their balance is affected. The way they walk or stand is affected because the armor of truth is not like some, there's something wrong around this waist. I can relate to that because I, I play a lot of I played a lot of sports, and they often used to tell us if your core is weak, then you end up having a lot of injuries because if your core is is not stable, then everything else. Will not, um, will not be good. We'll, 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 you pick up injuries here and there. So how do we put on the belt of truth? We must first understand two truths. The first truth is who God is. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John eight thirty two says, And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The Bible says that there is only one God. There's one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. The Bible says that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Bible says that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For a lot of people, their knowledge and the understanding of who God is, is not, is very, very, um, how do I say it without sounding mean or, um, what's a word I could use? Uh, I don't know. I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, it's, it's, it's very plain and, and it's, the devil, um, He's deceived people, so they have a misunderstanding of who God is. They have a misconception 
of the identity of Christ and uh, and who God is. Some people think that God, you know, is a second, you know, that there is three persons in the Godhead, you know, separate uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know, we have people that do not, you know, uh, just believe in other form of gods, if I can say. And then the other truth is our identity as God's people. So um, John 1, 12 says, But as many as received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on him, uh, on his name. Second uh, Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Verse 18 says, And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So God called us to be separate from the world, to be his children. The Bible says we are God's chosen generation. We are his, uh, we are uh, a peculiar people. Galatians says that, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, and says to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God adopted us. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So the first truth is this. Jesus is the foundation. The scriptures let us know in Ephesians 2 verse 19 and 22 that we are members of the household of God built upon the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus must be the foundation of our faith. He is the one true God. The second truth is that we are his children. God brought us, set us uh, he saved us from the world to be part of his kingdom, to become his children. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 says, um, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a breastplate is a piece of metal that is designed to cover you from neck down to your loins or your waist. Its sole purpose is to protect your vital organs. And it's, uh, it's used in, in the olden days. They wore it and in a modern day uh, piece of uh, type of breastplate we see is a bulletproof vest. We see soldiers and police officers wear those. And there's definition says about righteousness. It says righteousness is the condition which is acceptable to God. It consists of in- integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling and acting. Righteousness is part of God's identity and a big part of its definition has to do with ethical conduct. The Bible says that God is righteous, which means God is always right. <laughs> He's never wrong. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our works do not make us righteous. It is God's sacrifice which he gave. His blood that took our sins away 
And the Bible says that the righteousness of man is as filthy as a filthy rag, but his blood cleansed us and made us righteous in his sight. The breastplate of righteousness helps us to guard our hearts from bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, offenses, and all types of wickedness and deceptions, all types of darts that the enemy throws at us. And the third piece of armor is the, uh, verse 15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, the gospel of peace. Imagine a soldier wearing and carrying every piece of armor, but without any shoes on their feet, fighting a battle. That's a very funny visual. Imagine going to, you know, imagine, uh, um, Shoes on their without any shoes on their feet, they're gonna find it uh, find it hard to concentrate. You know, having worrying about jamming their toes, you know, hitting a rock or something while trying to fight back. And the enemy knows that. So what is he gonna do? He's gonna target their feet, obviously, because they're not wearing any shoes. Even in the natural, when we wear shoes, it allows us to walk freely without fear of stepping. On anything that would hurt our feet. Shoes allow us to keep our eyes looking forward and not looking down. Romans 10 verse 14 to 15. The Bible says, how then, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they, sent, they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. God's church is sent to announce the good news of God's kingdom, which will spread his way of peace around the whole world. Having our shoes on, we are, we are ready to move to spread these glad tidings to others. In the apostles' day, uh, Apostles' day, he walked countless miles. In the, um, in the Apostle Paul's day, he walked countless miles in delivering the good news. Today, we have uh, today transportation and communication have changed, but we must also be constantly ready to do our part to spread the good news of the gospel. Praise God. And then the next um, piece of armor is the shield of faith, verse sixteen. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. James 1 verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says, taking the shield of faith. You hold a shield like this on one hand and the other hand you hold a sword. If your faith is always down like this, your vital organs might be protected by the breastplate of righteousness. But for how long will it last? Before your armor begins to weaken. When the devil throws at you all kinds of weapons, spears and darts. 
With your faith in God, you are able to quench all the fiery darts thrown at you. Daniel 3 verse 17 to 18, the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, we see in that account, <clears throat> they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. But when you read those verses, and this is what they say. They said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he would deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. When we look at this story, the three Hebrew boys didn't try to have faith. After they were thrown in the fiery furnace, but they had faith right from the beginning, even when they didn't, uh, even, even, bef- uh, even when they didn't know what the consequences would be if they uh, disobeyed um, Nebuchadnezzar, but they had faith in God. A physical uh, shield protects you from, uh, protects you physically, and faith protects us spiritually even in the middle of physical battles praise god your faith is your is is your first line of defense once your faith is taken down then you're gonna get attacked everywhere else praise god the fifth uh piece of armor, uh, armor is the helmet of salvation Ephesians 6 verse 17 says, um, And take the helmet of salvation and the word of God and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So salvation was a gift that we did not deserve, but it was given to us freely by God. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John three sixteen to 17 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8 to 11. It says, But let us, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that, we, that, uh, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also, uh, even as also ye do. We can receive tremendous hope and comfort by focusing on the incredible sacrifice um, of Christ, uh, which Christ gave us, uh, uh, which Christ gave to save us and to save us, and the amazing kingdom that is the goal of our salvation. This hope works like a helmet to protect our minds from the discouragement and despair 
in this world. The sixth uh, piece of Amri is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of God is the only weapon we have to fight back with. You can't put your shield down and your sword down and try to headbutt. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so, um, and so, yeah, you can't you can't do that. So, um, so you need your shield, uh, your the shield of faith up always to block everything coming from the enemy. And so, this other hand is occupied with the sword already because you. Um, so the more you are familiar with the word of God, the sharper your sword becomes. And to prove to you, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If our sword is not sharp, we will, uh, we will, we will just bruise, maybe leave a few sore spots, cause a little damage here and there. But it will not peace anything. We need the word of God to fight back. Because without it, we will be destroyed. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we don't have the word of God in our hearts, we can't fight back the enemy. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And verse 7 says, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. He used the word of God to fight back. Praise God. Because the enemy, if we are not familiar with the word, the enemy can twist it. Just like how you see many people today in our world have... The understanding of the word of God has been twisted because they have not read it for themselves. They have heard it from someone who might have been influenced by something else. And so they have twisted it and given it to them. And so they take it as the word of God. But we must know it for ourselves. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. The word of God will guide us into every battle, into every situation that we find ourselves in. And then the fifth, uh, the last um, piece of armor is prayer and supplication in the spirit. Ephesians six eighteen says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance in supplication for all saints. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The Greek word translated um, um, is uh, translated supplication in both Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 and Philippians 4 verse 6 is is, uh, it's called desis um, in Strong's Concordance. And it means a, pet a petition or a special request of God. 
what we must take from these verses about prayer and supplication is that it must be in the spirit. The spirit of God plays a big part in our prayers. Sometimes we do not know how to describe what we want or what we want to express to God. But Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27 says, And he that searcheth the heart, the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, it talks about asking and it will be given. If we seek, we can find. If we, if we knock, the door shall be open. And everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door is open for them. The scriptures tell this in Luke 21, verse uh, 36. It says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be uh, accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The scriptures is letting us know that we must always pray. We need to pray today more than ever before. Praise God. Along with praying for others, it is so important to also pray for ourselves. Our lives are filled with reminders that we can't make it on our own. It would be inconceivable to refrain from asking God for help, for the help we so desperately require. Our God stands ready to provide us with strength, wisdom, and courage we need to stand against our enemy. But He wants us to come before Him and ask for it. Matthew 26 verse 39 says, And He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. There is no better example than Jesus when it comes to prayer. As Jesus did, we must continue to dig deeper and to go further in prayer to seek the will of God in every situation we find ourselves in. Because if we don't, we will make choices that will only accommodate the flesh. Whenever God wants us to stand our ground, we may feel scared. We may just want to stay comfortable where we are. Because we don't want to feel pain. We don't want to go through those trials. But let's take an example from the story of Jesus. He was after the will of God. Even even though... He knew what the consequences were. And so we must also pursue the will of God. And so we must pray. Um, we must pray every day. God's desire is for us to be fully armored and ready to do His will. To fight the good fight of, play, uh, of faith. So I hope this was encouraging to you. So God bless you. <laughs>